everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I play J.R. the Crooked. Tio. Hi, I'm Tio, and I play Constance the Expert. And Kyle. Howdy, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin the Monstrous. Sorry, I'm still stuck in the last theater. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> it's still, it got a couple little leftover bits. Well, working their way out. Time rolls on, unfortunately, Absolutely. for Alvin. No. Last time, unless Alvin, you want to do the recap since you're since you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've only got one perspective, which is there was a really beautiful horse out of, <laughs> in back of the saloon, and then some stuff happened inside, and there were some guys with guns, and then I was forced onto a train. A true tragedy. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Alvin. <laughs> For the rest of us. <laughs> Top 10 anime betrayals. <laughs> the anthology told from a different perspective. <laughs> Last time, the three of you returned to the moonscape to rendezvous with the tall man and make good on your end of the arrangement. He explained that you would be heading to another realm of reality known as Otherware, a sanctuary for his kindred built around the wants and wishes of humans they have made deals with. Your task, you learned, was to reach the center of the oldest and deepest theater of Otherware and transcribe a message into its registrum, which would allow him to enter the realm. After Constance and Alvin enjoyed a quick and totally above-board healing session facilitated by Dorian, the three <laughs> of you entered into Otherware. The theater you arrived in appeared to be a good old-fashioned spaghetti western, and you quickly located its anchor, a gregarious gunslinger by the name of Ed. Before you made to leave, however, Alvin was waylaid by the sudden appearance of a strangely familiar horse. Seemingly friendly, the situation took an unsettling twist when your new equine friend tilted its head to reveal a smooth and featureless face behind its horse mask. After reevaluating your sense of security, the three of you located the exit and swiftly made your way there as Ed provided some covering fire. As you escaped to the next theater, you could see Bailey the horse galloping after you in the distance. He's such a joker. <laughs> he does that all the time. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Listen, my memories are a little foggy. Hmm. But probably. Probably best that we left. <laughs> As the blinding light between theaters subsides, the three of you find yourself standing in the dimly lit foyer of a Victorian-style manor, the pallid lamplight barely keeping the darkness outside at bay. The interior is entirely composed of dark wood panels and burgundy carpets and curtains, making the cavernous space feel much smaller than it ought to. You can hear an unrelenting downpour hammer on the roof through the rafters. Ahead of you is a group of four posh, haughty, aristocratic types, all dressed in late Victorian, early Edwardian, high fashion. Further inside, you can hear and briefly see five boys of varying ages, all impeccably dressed, tearing through the household like marauders. And beside you, near the doorway where you appear to have entered, stand a tall, baby-faced man in a deerstalker cap and a shorter, <laughs> stockier man with a well-manicured mustache. <laughs> and as the three of you enter, one of the well-to-do, you presume, residents of this manor shakes his head and says, 
Oh, of course, tonight is the night the Pemberton cousins decide to show up. And the woman standing next to him says, Hush, Lincoln, and rushes towards you. Dearest cousins, we have terrible news. Our dear father has been murdered. <gasps> oh, no. I faint. No. <laughs> I fake faint so I can get up again. Outstanding. <laughs> I take her hand and I go, my dearest cousin, let it not be so. Constance loves this. She is in <laughs> in it. She's kind of hoping that this one takes a while. This is her element. I stroke my very long beard thoughtfully and look around like, has anyone seen my pipe? <laughs> you fumble around for a second and you realize you have uh, an old fashioned pipe in the pocket of your antiquated but very nice suit. Ah, yes, there it is. JR is standing there. God damn, these undergarments are god. <laughs> Foundation gar. The fuck wouldn't we be in the Edwardian era proper when the corsets were a lot better fitting? <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I can't move very well. I'm very upset about this. Uh, my dear cousin, what has happened? Yes, do tell us. Please show us where the body is. And if you wouldn't mind having some brandy nearby, it's been a long trip. <clears throat> um, <laughs> the woman in front of you, who suddenly you just have this understanding that her name is Desdemona Lansing. Oh. It just sort of filters into your head. Oh. Constance takes your arm and says, Oh, it's terrible, dear. Our father... Parsimonious Grimsby <laughs> was murdered while all of us were having dinner. No one else was in the house, which means the murderer must be amongst us. Uh, and she loses her composure for a moment and almost faints, but regains herself. We were all supping in the dining room, and Parsimonious was upstairs. You know, he prefers to come down after dinner. Dear heavens, you were... Excuse me, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, dear relative. You were supping in the dining room? In the dining Where room? Where else was one sup? I would have died of shame myself. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know, I know. Too soon, but my word. We'll talk about this later. Go on. Dearest father, your uncle, yes. Parsimonious Grimsby, was upstairs getting ready to come down for dinner, and we had nearly finished the meal. When we grew concerned that he was not there, so we all went upstairs and discovered that he had been murdered. Oh, my. A single stab wound. And she almost faints again. Yes. I would like to pull something out of my Instagram backpack, which I imagine is actually a hat. It's a very tall hat. You are like a middle-aged accountant, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's right. I am a middle-aged <laughs> yes, accountant. you are. <laughs> You're like a bald middle-aged accountant. So guy. then I actually yes. have a briefcase. A satchel. A satchel, yes. A, a leather satchel, yes. <laughs> I would like to pull out a fan, like one of those flip-out fans, and on it is uh, stitched, terribly sorry for your loss. You don't need to roll for that. I'll let you have okay, it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I pull that out and I hand it to her and I'm like, Dear cousin, please do pull yourself together. Am I the only one who didn't choose a costume? No, you're an e-girl. You're an e-girl. Oh, that's yeah. right. I'm yeah. an e-girl. How We're does not that well translate to a Victorian Edwardian 
aesthetic. Uh, oh man, veil. I veil. will leave that to your description or the listener's imagination. <laughs> uh, pardon me, listeners. While this is going on, I'm going to be doing a little research <laughs> on an anachronistic cell phone to see what my look would be. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have this. I think Go on. Desdemona takes this and flips it open and starts fanning herself and then looks at it and says, how did you know to be sorry for our loss? Oh, dear. Curious cousin. that you would arrive right at this moment. I pull from the bag. So happy for your good news. Oh, cousin, these days you must always come prepared, especially in large company. Hmm. Very well. And I think at this moment, the tall man in the deerstalker cap clears his clears Who's his that? throat and says, <clears throat> "Detective Zolms, at your service. <laughs> Fear not, Pemberton cousins. We will solve this mystery right away. For I am the greatest detective that ever did live." Zones. Zolms. Zounds. Zolms. Zoom. Zolms. Like tomes. You gather your energy from the tomes. No, I'm hearing an L in there. It's Zolms. There is an L, yes. Z-O-L-M-E-S. Zolms. So not underground death places. Got it. Okay. I (laughs) now have an accent. Good, sir. Do you have a first name? Sherman. Oh. Sherman Zolms. And this is my assistant, Dr. Wobson. Dr. Dr. Wobson. Dr. Wobson. And Wob- the shorter, stockier Wob- man with the large mustache <laughs> sort of bumbles forward and says, Yes, he- hello, Dr. Wobson. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Dr. Wobson. We're and going, do you have we're a going first to, name? We're going to solve Wob- this case. Wobson. Wobson. Wob? Wobson. Wobson. This is good uh, radio for the <laughs> Exceptional. Is, uh, JR, JR standing there. Oh, by the way, I've decided on my outfit. Basically, <laughs> this is set, set in quotes, like right at the cusp of Victorian Edwardian. Correct. I'm definitely wearing late Edwardian outfits. So uh, it's a bit time. anachronistic. But uh, yeah, we're talking a lot of like um, moving into the aesthetic, there was a very uh, heavy like Middle Eastern aesthetic that started to move into the clothes. And that's what I'm, I'm aiming for. I'm wearing harem pants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very shocking. You can see both of my ankles. Oh, it's very good to meet you, Dr. Wobson. And you have a first name? <laughs> <laughs> Is it Bob? <laughs> Is it Bob Wobson? (laughs) Shit, yes, it is. (laughs) Hey, I'm the one who has a Bob face. It's Bob Wobson. Dr. Bob Wobson. Oh, Bob. Did you go by Bob or Robert? Robbie. Robert. Robbie Robbie Wobson. Robbie Wobson. Good to see you. Robert Wobson. Robert Wobson. Robert. I shake his hand vigorously. Well, Bobbert. Well, doc- Dr. Bobbert, the three of us are a bit of a amateur sleuths as well. How would you feel about joining forces to solve this mystery? Give me a role to manipulate someone. Okay. What will convince them? You get the impression that you need to convince Detective Zolms and not Dr. Wobson. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Wobson seems to just like, when, when you start to talk to him, he just kind of like looks at Detective Zolms. 
Gotcha. All right. <laughs> That's going to be a nine. On a seven and nine, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show them that you mean it. Hmm. We'll always take another set of eyes on the mystery, but I think that it's only appropriate that one of us stays with you at all times. So we'll split up. Some of you can go with me, and some of you can go with Dr. Wobson. While he's been talking, I have snuck up to be right next to him, and I am mimicking his every move. <laughs> and I just look at him. To make fun of him? No, 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 no. Practice? To practice, yeah. <laughs> okay. Learning? No, in an, admir- ad- an admiring way. I think <laughs> Zolms looks, like, looks back and says, Aha! Nothing gets past me. We've got a fan in the mix. You'll have to come with me. The other two of you, you can go with Dr. Wobson. All right, Bobby. Looks like it's uh, you, me, and the... Alvin, what is your costume again? I'm like a ZZ Top big beard guy. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Um, but so, right, but so... I straighten up when he gives those orders and kind of like puff on the pipe and be like, Yes, sir. Like the good sir said, you go with him and the rest with me. You know, I was a, a colonel once myself. <laughs> You have your orders. I give a salute. A colonel. Interesting. Well, you and Dr. Wobson shall have much to talk about. Oh, did you serve yourself? Well, yes, I did. I got trench foot, and I I had to be sent home. Sad tale, poor chap. Yes, it was quite disappointing. Anyway, I suppose we should should start investigating, yes. I'm going to pull Constance aside and be like, quick poll, do we care about this mystery? We don't really care about this mystery, right? <laughs> You're saying that for free, for free, I get to live in a murder mystery in the most elaborately decked out period piece setting ever, and you don't want to do it? Do you know how much <laughs> this would cost to do in an escape room? We're doing it. Allegedly free. I mean, we could be stuck here forever, so I mean, I guess, you know, take it slow. Okay. I'm just saying... <laughs> That I uh, don't plan to leave until we catch the murderer and see them off to justice, whatever that looks like in this uh, world. So, Constance, Detective Zolms beckons you to follow as he moves forward. And Alvin and Jr. Dr. Wobson sort of meekly uh, shuffles forward and they both start moving towards the, the group, the Grimsbys, who are the, the residents of this building. How many uh, folks are, like, I know you gave us a, a description and then I forgot, so let me get out my notepad and write it down like a good detective. So in this group, there is Desdemona Lansing, a, a slightly severe looking woman uh, who's, who's still sort of on Constance's arm. Mm-hmm. And as you're approaching with Zolms and Wobson, you just begin to intuitively know these people's names. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. There is Desdemona's husband, Lincoln Allen Grimsby, a slightly baby-faced looking gentleman. There's his sister, Sterling Grimsby, who has sort of like a, a playful countenance to her. And then there is another younger woman. She doesn't look as sort of similar to the, to the rest. She has kind of like sharper, more angular features. Uh, and she is Eden Vander Maple. And then I think... Alvin, Mm -hmm. as you are walking forward, having called for a brandy, you see a older gentleman in a fine looking suit carrying a tray and a decanter with several glasses. And he comes up and pours you a glass of brandy. And you recognize this to be Wilfred, the butler. 
Ah, good man, Wilfred. In summary, you have Lincoln Allen Grimsby, Desdemona Lansing, Sterling Grimsby, Eden Vandermaple, and Wilfred the Butler. And then the kids. And some children. Five children who you know as Ted, Fred, Jed, Ned, and Zed. Ted, Not confusing Fred, Jed, Ned, and Zed. Yes, and those okay. are all Lincoln and Desdemona's kids. Right. Ted did it. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Zed did it. No, Zed's too weird of a name. It's got to be the most like under the radar. It's Ted. Anyway, Zed, I'm putting in my that, bet now. Zed's definitely Jacuse. the one that we would think would do it for the next hour. And then it turns out yeah. that no, he's just a bad boy, but he didn't do a murder. Yeah. He steals stuff. <laughs> he pickpockets. Look, it's a phase. Yeah. Uh, my crimes ain't hurt nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the group that you have before you. They're all just kind of waiting for you all to begin. And Zolms looks at you, Constance, and says, where do you think we should begin? And Dr. Wobson looks at J.R. and Alvin and says, well, um, what, uh, what, what, what do you, what do you think? What, what do you think we should, who should we, who should we talk to? Well, I'd like to see either the body or the murder scene. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh right. Yes. For... That, right. Of course. <laughs> oh, oh, gross. Oh, God. I'm so, I'm so bollocked nope. up. Oh. That's all right. Teamwork makes the dream work, right, Wobson? Oh, yes, of course. Whatever you say. Right. Constance puts uh, her hand in her jacket, like you do when you're about to make a statement in mm-hmm. these times, and turns back to Zomes and says, Nobody, no crime. I believe we must first inspect the crime scene. And she feels very proud of herself for that and then realizes it doesn't actually make sense and just goes, the, uh, where the body is. Of course. Elementary, my dear Constantine. <laughs> and Zolms kind of like starts fast walking up the stairs to the study. I follow. Well, well I, su- I suppose we should, uh, we should go this yes, follow yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Okay. Uh... Let, let, let's go. Okay. Can I not? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. If I've you would like to do a, something else. I've got a great little snifter of brandy down here and looking at a dead body right now sounds very <laughs> grim. So I think I'm going to stay Did here. Did someone and- say Grimsby? <laughs> <laughs> Wilfred, good man. Yes. <laughs> we don't have to do it right now if we're looking at the body, but I'm going to talk to Wilfred. Okay. Let's follow Constance and JR upstairs, and then we can jump back down to Alvin talking to Wilfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Constance and JR, you head upstairs. The second story is is just as impressive, and you can see there are portraits going back for what must be centuries of the Grimsby's all hanging on the walls. You wind through some narrow hallways and wind up in a small, kind of cozy-looking study. It's almost entirely dark-stained wood, and there's like a a plush red throw rug that takes up most of the room. There's a fireplace that still have the embers going. And sitting in a very comfortable, oversized-looking chair is a older gentleman who has his neck cut open. I would like to inspect this guy's body and any of the area like around, immediately around the body. Go and give me a roll to investigate a mystery. And that's a 10. All right. Hold two. Wow. Okay. What is being concealed here? 
I think what is being concealed here is evidence. There's no blood stains. There's no footprints. There's no disturbances. There's no physical evidence of any kind. So what is being concealed here is that whoever did this was extremely thorough. Does it appear that the person who did it is very thorough or that for whatever reason, there is just no evidence? Uh, This person was thorough. Okay. My Mm. second thing that I would like to ask is what happened here? You move forward to inspect the body a little bit more closely. And I think you can tell that this was a single cut by surprise with extreme precision. Hmm. Interesting. As you're examining, Detective Zolms kind of bustles up next to you with like a big magnifying glass and kind of like pushes you a little bit. <laughs> Mighty interesting, I say. It looks like this person was murdered. Wow. What a <laughs> groundbreaking conclusion, sir. Truly, we all pale in comparison to your genius. A single laceration from a surgical <laughs> weapon? What Interesting. kind of surgical weapon? A blade of some variety, I imagine. I mean, I would have gone but with pincers, but yeah. Who could have done it? And he turns to face you and you can see his very magnified eye. Oh, yeah. Comically large magnified eye. Yeah. Uh-huh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Constance, what are you doing? I want to go over to the fireplace. Since it looks like it had been recently used, I kind of want to inspect that. I want to see if there's anything that someone was trying to get rid of in there. And also, are the fireplace pokers and things of that sort still where they should be? Give me a roll to investigate a mystery. Oh, Honestly, JR, I feel like we might be able to uh, beat Zolms at this. This is why we're here, right? I've completely forgotten our goal. (laughs) (laughs) That is a 13. Okay, hold two. Well, I'm going to go with a popular one. What is being concealed here? I think you see in the embers, there's this scrap of paper, and it appears to be a portion of a news story. It's mostly destroyed, but the portion that you can read says, Orphan boy who went on to receive his doctorate at Oxford. Orphan boy? I would have that reporter flogged. What a terrible way to describe someone. I do say someone was trying to get rid of this, and I hand it to Zolms. Detective Zolms takes it and like holds it up to his magnifying glass and says, A clue! How fascinating. Who might this orphan boy be? Well, who went to Harvard? Oxford. 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 Who went to that place in the in this room? Yeah, the one They're in all England. the same. <laughs> oh, I have one more question too. That's right. You do. The only other question that would kind of make sense to ask is like, what happened here? Like, do I see outside of just something being in the fireplace? Like, is anything around the fireplace amiss? I think you do notice that one of the pokers is slightly askance which means that someone probably stoked this fire to intentionally burn something. Okay. Well, someone doesn't want to know their rags to riches story. (laughs) Alvin. Yes. You're standing downstairs with Wilfred and the Grimsby family is staring on at you and also just up the stairs kind of in tense anticipation. What are you doing? I'm making a joke with Wilfred, slap him on the back and I give a big guffaw. And I look at their faces and be like, 
Oh. Mr. Pemberton, you're too much. Uh, Hughes, though, Wilfred. Thank you very much. Colonel Hughes. Oh, Hugh Pemberton. Excellent. Yes. Uh, well, look, look at all your faces. Yes, somebody died, but this is still a party, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> was it? Um, we don't know. It was a, it was a dinner. <laughs> it is now. A dinner yeah. party. Lincoln Allen Grimsby walks up and pours himself a brandy and says, Well, yes, I think it is. I suppose we should celebrate your arrival, Hugh Pemberton. It's good to good to see you, cousin. Lincoln, my on the boy, shoulder. it's very fine to see me. Tell <laughs> Lincoln tell Allen. Me. <laughs> Lincoln <laughs> Allen. Uh, Lincoln. Address Lincoln. me by my full name. <laughs> sure thing, Linky boy. <laughs> now tell me, tell me, how has the hunt been for you this year? <laughs> I find oh. there's a great many fall out this season. Quite a marvelous hunt. The foxes are just real scamps this year. And what of your children? How have they been doing in school? Excelling as usual, you know. The Grimsby line. A fine line, I am sure. And how are the Pembertons faring? Oh, just very well, of course. I'm sure you know all the news. Of course, yes. Yes, of course, of course, of course, we we know the Pembertons. Of course, we would we would never <laughs> not be not be caught up on on the Pembertons and all the rest of our family, would we, Desdemona? Would we? Would we, Grimsby's? And everyone laughs in unison. Terrible news, though. I do have to share. We did have to uh, say goodbye to one of our finest racehorses. Oh dear, Bailey, my favorite horse. <laughs> My dearest Hugh, should we retire to the den and discuss current affairs, perhaps over several more glasses of brandy? Wilfred, fetch the fetch the, the better brandy. I knew you were holding out on me, Lincoln. Now, yes, let's toast. Let us toast to his memory and share some personal thoughts about the man. Yes, I yes. shall dearly miss the sir. Shit. <laughs> Parsimonious Grimsby. Parsimonious Grimsby. Yes, it was a... Uh, it was him who who uh, recommended me to the army and got me my position in the regiment. So I do owe quite a lot to the old chap. Truly a great man. And all of the Grimsby's nod in, in unison and uh, raise their glasses. <laughs> to parsimonious. To parsimonious. Good first toast. Now, Lincoln, your turn. How does one toast to father? To say that he was an inspiration would be a true statement. He was, and I endeavor to follow in his footsteps every day. To Parsi. To Parsi. Yeah, that one sounds legit. Sterling, let's hear from you. <laughs> are, you are you trying to, like, out them through the through toasts? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just going to make me, Quinn, come up yeah. with yeah. four separate yeah. toasts. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. You can make them really short. They all, I, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do four toasts. All four of yes. them give heartfelt and touching, if slightly like aloof and, and extremely British toasts, mm -hmm. but they all seem to check out. Okay. This brandy's probably bomb.com though, right? Yeah, no, the brandy is outstanding. Alvin probably also wouldn't be able to tell at this point. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's not what you would call experienced in the way of fine liquor. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they all they all check out. Uh, we have some more brandy, and I do good at darts. Okay, as you and the Grimsbys are playing darts, you hear a knock at the door. 
Constance and JR. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to do in this room as Zolms and Wobson are sort of casing it? Yes. Any good study should definitely be uh, showing off everyone's like alma mater and all that jazz. Can I look around and see if I notice if there's any like Oxford memory? I'm just trying to figure out if good old Parsi went to Oxford without asking anybody something I should 100% know. <laughs> yeah, you don't see any around. Okay. I'll give you that one for free. <laughs> okay. Okay. It That's would be fair. obvious. Sweet. That's me. Uh, I would like to steal something. <laughs> okay. What would you like to steal? Is there anything small, like sitting maybe on the mantelpiece? Like a really small figurine. I don't want to take like a book or anything like that, but like something that I could slip into my purse. Sure. Yeah, I think there's plenty of, not trinkets, but- Knickknacks. Yeah, like very nice, like set pieces, nice set pieces. All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to wait until Zolms and- Wobson. Wobson. <laughs> Zolms and Wobson are busy investigating the body. And I think I see something. Um, I'm wondering if maybe there's a small figurine of a spider because we had to fight the the giant the giant sure. creepy spider. And uh while they're looking at the body, I'm just gonna slip it into my little beaded clutch. Great. Give me a roll to act under pressure. JR, you silly, 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 <laughs> you silly woman. Okay, well, it's, uh, it's going to be an eight. On a seven to nine, I'm going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Okay. I think either Zolms is going to notice you or Wobson is going to notice you. Wobson. I feel like this is going to bite me in the ass at some point, but let's go for Wobson. So you palm this figurine and you turn around and Zolms and Constance are looking over the body and mm-hmm. Wobson is just staring at you. I make uncomfortable eye contact with him, like lengthy eye contact. Yeah. And take another thing. He <laughs> stares directly at you. I'm looking back at him. One of us is going to have to look away first. Who is it, Quinn? Who's going to look away first? I think after several seconds of looking at you with just a blank face, Wobson smiles just a little bit and winks at you and then turns away. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's useful information. Ooh, yeah. I'm glad I took the spider. Okay. I think that's it for me in this room, unless uh, my associate Constantine has anything else. I think I am dreadfully close to solving this mystery. I say we go downstairs and interview the suspects. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> downstairs. And Zolm's like speed walks downstairs. Constantine follows very inappropriately close. I follow, but at a respectable distance. <laughs> and uh, Wobson takes up the rear. The three of you arrive downstairs. To oh, hear a, hello. To hear a <laughs> knock at the front door. Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning into episode 33 of Monster Hour. Have you identified the culprit in my murder mystery whodunit? If so, please keep it to yourself. Spoilers are the real monster. 
Before I jump in, I want to remind folks that we have a Discord now. If you want to come chat with us and other fans about this episode or the show in general, come join our channel on the Cast Junkie Discord server. There's a link in the show notes that will take you straight there. Before I continue the tour of our different Patreon tiers by telling you about the $5 Jackalope subscriber level, I want to give a big shout out to our latest patrons, Grant Saul and Ryan Fleming. With their support, we just hit our first Patreon goal, which means I am now feverishly tidying up all of my GM and mystery notes for you all to take a peek at. The first one will be coming out this week, and the rest of our completed arcs will soon follow. Now, let me tell you about our Jackalope subscriber tier. The big perk at this level is access to all of our one-shot content, which includes both special Monster Hour bonus episodes as well as all new games in different systems. You also get access to extra Monster Hour lore and bonus content, including a map of Firmament that we will update throughout the campaign, not to mention all of these sweet perks from the $2 Firmamentarian tier. I gotta tell you, when it comes to the perks to dollar ratio, this is about as good as it gets, so if you're thinking about backing us, why not consider this tier? We also know that these are unprecedented times, and many folks aren't in a position to give money right now. That's okay. You can always support us by leaving a rating and review, recommending us to a friend, or giving us a shout on social media. Don't forget that if you use the hashtag MonsterHourPod, you might wind up with a character named after you. Characters like Ed, the gunslinger of Devil's Folly named after a girl named Ed92 on Twitter. Thank you for tweeting about the show. Who knows what sort of entities our hunters might run into in Otherware, and what sort of names they might need, so now's the perfect time to get tweeting. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. We'll return with episode 34 of Monster Hour on September 29th. See you then. There is a heavy knock on the front door, and all of the eyes in the room turn to it. It seems Wilfred, like a job for uh, Wilfred, yeah. Wilfred hastily steps up and swings open the front door, and standing there in the pouring rain is a older man. He's wearing a constable uniform, and he tilts his cap and looks inside and says, Good evening. I'm sorry to disturb you all on this dreary evening, but I heard there had been a crime committed and thought I would offer my services. And he seems to be scanning this room mm. and quite quickly locks eyes with Alvin. Yes, well, I, I dare say we were settling in for some dinner. Would you care to join us? Everyone kind of looks at you and like, no, no, we we already we finished dinner. That was when the murder happened. Well, I we, say we're I'm quite starving. Full. I could use a, another helping. Surely there's one more. <laughs> Wilfred. <laughs> You're just like, I'm hungry, so we're all going to eat dinner. <laughs> I'm an old colonel. <laughs> Sorry, go This on. is how things are done. <laughs> Wilfred looks slightly perplexed and says, Well, yes, I believe that we could warm up a plate for you, esteemed Hugh Pemberton. Come with me. Keep an eye on this one. I point at Lincoln as I leave. All of the Grimsby's kind of side-eye one another again and look at each other. Aha! And the constable steps inside and takes off his overcoat and hangs it up. It's dripping with rain. Sorry to intrude, Detective Zolms and Dr. Wobson. I know this is your case, but I just uh, had to come over to check in on, on something. I hope you don't mind. 
And they sort of shake their heads. You gotta find this anchor, gang. I want to solve the mystery. And the constable looks at you two, Constance and JR, and says, Aha, yes, the Pembertons. So glad you're in town. May I have a word, please? Of course, old chap. And I slowly start walking towards him, cautiously approaching. So I've left. Okay. (laughs) Oh, well. I had to get some food. Yeah, Alvin and Wilfred went to the the dining room to procure a bit of late sup. <laughs> but this constable is keen on you, Constance and JR, and beckons for you to step into the den. All right. Okay. I'm going to go into the den, but I think before I do, I look at JR and I'm trying to convey that like, If something weird happens, run, is what I'm trying to convey. (laughs) Yes. We make knowing eye contact with each other. Yeah. (laughs) The two of you head to the den, and the constable sits down and takes off his cap and beckons for you to sit. I'm going to stand. Did a lot of sitting on the way here. They say sitting is as bad as cigarettes, which I guess you folks don't know that smoking is bad for you. It is... Sitting is also very bad. The constable looks at the two of you for a moment and then places his head between his thumb and forefinger and then very slightly peels the skin back. Oh. I run. <laughs> I immediately run. I've, yeah. Okay, Constance runs. Jer, what do you do? <laughs> I'm going to back out slowly in case there's any other relevant information he would like to share with me. But if there isn't, I would also like to exit. (laughs) The constable looks at Constance run and then says to you, JR, Kindred, Kindred. what is wrong? wrong? I don't recognize your mask. mask. Oh, it's been a little dodgy after I had a bit of a mishap with the key. I'm so sorry. I just remembered I need to be in the other room. And I walk quickly out of there. You can see as you're walking out that the constable stands back up and starts following you. God damn it. I catch up to Constance and I'm like, we are going to have to talk a little bit. Not right now, but we need to have a conversation with Alvin at some point about how these work because there is some added complications. Wobson! Wobson, where are you? Are you just calling out for Wobson? I am, yes, because I think that Wobson is the anchor, and I I want to be near the anchor in order to try to find our exit. Okay. (laughs) Where have the two of you sort of gone to in this manner? Where were the group of folks going? I know Alvin is going to go off and get some more food because he's a hungry boy. So currently everyone is still standing in the foyer except for... (laughs) The constable, who is still in the den, and Alvin and Wilfred, who are in the dining hall. Back in the foyer? Yeah, but we need to get Alvin out here, too. So I think... um, Do you want me to go get him? I can go get him. Yeah, let's do that. Convene in the foyer, and I will track down Wobson. Okay, Wobson is in, in the foyer. Great. I link arms with Wobson, and I say, Chap, have you heard of... The chappity chap dance dance. 
Do we, <laughs> do we do we need to speak in private? Yes, we do. Into the kitchen, good lad. No secrets can be spilled without a a, a biscuit in your mouth. Right, of course, yes. To to the kitchen. Okay, lead the way. Okay. And I, I go f- try to follow JR and, and Alvin. So we're now all in the kitchen. Well, JR, you mm-hmm. arrive with Alvin and Wilfred. Alvin, what are you what are you eating? What are you chowing down on in there? I got a whole ham hock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Going to town on. Constance, as you and Wobson are making your way from the foyer towards the kitchen and the dining hall, he stops and turns to face you, and his expression is different. And he looks at you and says, You're not one of them, are you? You're human. And you are? (laughs) And here I thought you might have posed a challenge. As much fun as it is triumphing over Detective Zolms again and again, I have to admit, after decades and decades, it does sort of lose its luster a little bit. I'm going to reach into my Instagram backpack and pull out a foldable butterfly knife, and it has my Boonie's initials engraved on it, and then there's like dried old blood caked into the engraving oh boy um yeah i would like to pull that out and i'm gonna use it to bluff in a certain way so okay if you give me a give me a preparedness roll that's a solid 10 my friends hey. okay nice. you have it hey so what are you intending on doing with it because i'm still not totally sure what this individual's deal is but clearly something is going on so I want them to be as uncertain about me as I am about them right now so I want to pull that out of my backpack show it with the blood side up and go I don't know if you've collected as many souvenirs as I have and I just want to make that be super creepy and very vague it is both (laughs) he looks at the knife and smiles and from the sleeve of his shirt, suddenly you see there's a scalpel. Oh, ah, fuck no. Fuck. And he looks at you again and says, <laughs> Well, for what you lack in investigatory skills, perhaps you make up for in moxie. Maybe I should keep you around for a little while. You could potentially pose more of a, a challenge. I am going to poke him in the eye with the butterfly knife. What? Oh boy! <laughs> Roll to kick some ass. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen here. Don't we? Need I love this chaotic energy. This, right. just, but this it's... isn't killing anybody. I'm poking an eye. Sure. <laughs> I'm just. Putting and you're his not gonna out. die immediately just... anyway. <laughs> so that's a five. Mark experience. Oh, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. You clumsily lunge forward with this knife. And Dr. Wobson flicks the scalpel out and slices your hand, and the knife goes clattering to the floor. Take uh, one harm. Sure. And he picks it up and says, Oh my gosh, this is, this is from back there, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh goodness. It's been so long since I enjoyed something that came from our world. Been plying my schemes here for so long. You still haven't figured it out, have you? 
Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Michael Jackson, look at work. I assume that's some modern colloquialism. No, my name is Jim Moriarty. Ah, yes. I didn't know you were a real person! <laughs> eh, I could take it or leave it. And then I shove him really hard and run towards the kitchen. <laughs> Give me a roll to act under pressure. <laughs> All right. Uh-oh. Mm, that's a 12, I believe. Oh, it's yeah. so hard to tell if it's a good roll or a bad roll. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I like rolls that are extremes in either direction. <laughs> Moriarty is monologuing, and you catch him by surprise, and you shove him backwards with just enough time to get away. As you sprint towards the kitchen, the halls echo with his laughter, and you hear him say, Don't you understand? This is my world! And as he says that, you feel like the hallway starts to get smaller. We should have known who else would make Sherlock that dumb. <laughs> Dang. Alvin and JR, you're yeah. in the kitchen chowing down. I'm sorry, only Alvin's chowing down. I am not having anything to eat, okay? Apologies. Thank you. Alvin I will eat enough and JR, you are in the kitchen. <laughs> Alvin is enjoying a, a lovely ham hock, and Wilfred is standing on waiting. And JR walks in, in in a hurried fashion. Real or not, JR, this is delish. You want some? We know who the anchor is. Also, there's another Gumby man here. And at some point, we need to have a discussion about this because this is the second time one of those folks has shown up. But also, we should get out of here. Oh, good. We're ready to go finally? Yes, we are definitely ready to go. As you say that, the constable steps into the doorway. Oh, motherfucker. Uh, pardon me, sir. Just finishing up some dinner. I don't, I don't recognize, recognize your mask, Kindred. Oh, mask? This is... What you're talking about. Uh, the years have surely shown on my face, but this is my, my true visage. It struck me as strange in Devil's Folly. Is that in Spain? What name do you give? I am the feel of grass between your feet, traveling a lonely prairie. Prairie for short. What name do you give? Listen, I didn't want to break character in front of Wilfred over here, but yeah, my mask is in the it's in the wash right now, so I have to it's a temporary one. But yeah, you <laughs> call me of the wind, the speed. So two things I think happen at once. <laughs> one, Wilfred disappears. He is standing next to you, and then he flickers, and then is gone. No. And then. The constable tilts his mask again, and you can see the the slight facelessness, and says, Of the wind, the speed. Is this a new name for you? You know, we're trying some new things out. I've been in the dirt, slow and sloppy for so long. (laughs) I just try something new out. Come on. Give me a roll to manipulate someone. Shit. (laughs) We could call it a straight charm roll instead just to see how charming you are here. This is a thing. Charm roll it is. Uh, well, it's a six. I think the constable takes a step forward and says, Kindred, show, show me your, your face. face. And this is stepping towards Alvin, right? Yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to uh sneak behind and try and sneak out of the kitchen to go and find Constance mm-hmm. since uh he's distracted. Give me an act under pressure. Ten. This entity doesn't notice as you slip away. I think you were already kind of behind it, and mm-hmm. it seems to have really zeroed in on Alvin, and so you are <laughs> able to escape. Uh, and you run back down the hallway, and you see Constance running towards you, and behind her, you see the hallway shrinking. It's like closing up behind her. Can we do the the thing now? Can we do the magic now? Navigate the theaters? Yeah. You can do that at any point. I will tell you, Uh you are not going to get the plus two unless you are in the presence of the anchor. Constance, should we do the thing? Do it. Wobson is Moriarty. (laughs) Do the thing. thing. All right. We're going to do the thing. Give me a roll plus weird. Okay. Plus weird. It's an 11. (gasps) On a 10 plus, it takes you barely any time at all. Okay. So you pause as Constance is running towards you and she's alerting you to the very real dangers of this theater. And Mm -hmm. you take a minute to orient yourself to the, the magic that is present here. And the world that you perceive just fades away and instead you get a sense of currents and eddies and moving bodies of water and amongst those currents you can sense waterfalls exits that leave this place and amongst those exits you recognize one in particular that will lead you closer to the core closer to where you need to get to okay the doorway that you need is in the attic <laughs> oh boy Okay, so I, I do the thing, I figure out where it is, I tell Constance, it's up in the attic. Uh, for one thing, there's a, a relative of Dorian who's here, he also followed us from the last theater, I have a feeling he's gonna follow us to the next one, so at some point we're gonna have to figure out how to deal with that, but he's got Alvin cornered in the kitchen, and then I'm assuming, Quinn, since this is a period accurate, and I'm putting that in scare quotes. How dare you? Uh, period accurate Victorian mansion that there are going to be servant steps leading up from the kitchen up to the upper quarters that we can then take to get up to the attic. I mean, I can't argue with it. So yeah, let's say yes. Even in a Moriarty version, there should be for the sneaking and killing. Ostensibly, I should make you roll. But yeah, I think JR's innate knowledge of of Victorian (laughs) (laughs) architecture- it's more just JR's innate knowledge of how to sneak around fancy old yeah. houses. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, very, that's very much it. Um, so, Stole uh, from Constance. one too many country clubs. <laughs> <laughs> so does that sound like a plan? Because I think that sounds like a plan. Because we need to get the fuck out of here. I have literally, like, you're saying this to me as I run by you. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like the like, Doppler uh-huh. effect is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. that was really good damn kyle (laughs) that was very good yes yes okay so the two of you start sprinting down the hallway back towards the kitchen alvin yes yeah this entity repeats its demand kindred remove remove your mask yeah yeah all right we all gotta be sure listen could you give me a hand though these loners they're really tight and they get kind of stuck loner 
Loner Matt. Yeah, it's it's a it's a new mask. I'm trying it out. It doesn't quite fit right. Can you give me a hand? And I point to my face. The eyes on his constable mask narrow further. Yeah, just give me a hand. And I walk a couple steps towards him. And as soon as he's close enough, I'm just going to smack both sides of his head with my big mitts. <laughs> yeah, nice. give me a roll to kick nice. some ass. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's the worst. Oh, no. <laughs> I rolled a three on the dice. So the three, that's a five total. That is a failure. Oof. You oof. go to box this entity's ears and it just raises two arms up and blocks you with surprising dexterity. I think it wasn't really expecting your strength. It just sort of is surprised. And so it it falters a little bit. So you're not going to take harm. Mm. The harm you suffer here is that your cover is blown for this yeah. particular kindred. Yeah. And it skitters backwards very quickly on all fours and then stands back up, almost like a like a horse cantering backwards, mm-hmm. and then looks at you and tilts its head and says, You are no kindred. How did you enter? We've had a lot of misunderstandings. I don't know what I'm doing here, but if you could just like show me the door, I'll just be on my way. And I think it's at this moment that Constance and JR uh, <laughs> sprint into the kitchen and this constable looks at the two of you and you see just a, an instant flash of recognition. Uh, uh, Wobson is Moriarty, is the anchor. We're going attic now. And I run out of the room. <laughs> well, you, you run... The servants' quarters probably go up through the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, I run out. It was that the availability way. of the servants to bring the food up from the kitchen, so we need to go up through the kitchen, just as a point of reference. Yeah. As you say this, I think one of the doors to the kitchen swings open, and Dr. Wobson Moriarty steps through and says, Did you miss me? No. And we, we <laughs> run up the servants' quarters. <laughs> So the three of you start making your way up the servant stairs. Making your way sounds like we're like, ah, oh, taking a little jaunt and like looking <laughs> at the wainscoting and commenting on the very steepness of the stairs because this house is probably built before there were code issues. Yeah, definitely no regulations. Yeah, no, we're tearing up these. Who is in the lead? JR. Probably JR. Yeah. JR, give me a roll to act under pressure. Damn, I am rolling really well. That's a 12. The three of you sprint up the servant stairs, and as you do, you can feel them shrinking. The Mm. walls start to close in around you, and you can feel the wood start to press against your skin. JR, you make it out first, and the passage has narrowed to about half of its size. Constance, I think you're next, and you just sort of barely squeeze through. Alvin, you have to <laughs> literally break the wood. My and big shoulders. As you arrive in the attic, mm-hmm. the passage completely closes. Good. Huzzah. Okay. So, JR, there's a door. Yeah, where in the attic is the, please let it be in a giant steamer trunk. Please let it be in a giant steamer trunk. Yeah, it has to be, for sure. Yes! It's got to be. Oh. <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, man, I am on fire today. Sorry, this is just very exciting. I'm very much enjoying this part of it. Um, Okay. Betwixt you and this steamer trunk is Moriarty once again. Yeah, of course. And he's 
holding his scalpel, and he looks at the three of you and says, If you're going to leave, I have to insist that you take me with you. I look at JR and say, this guy's the human, right? Yes. Go to town. I got it. I charge him. (laughs) Okay. Is your intent to hurt him or just to knock him out of the way? Just clear him out of the way. If we know the door is there and he's just in the way, I don't care about hurting him. You're going to leave him. Just leave him here. Okay. Give me a no limits roll. (laughs) Come on. Guys, you got one more chance. Do it. Do it. Bad dice. I rolled a three again. Oof. That's a six. That ends up being a six. On a six, something goes horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think what happens is you wolf out 100% and charge Moriarty. He looks surprised, but then at just the last moment, you see a smile cross his face. And you tackle him, and the floorboards beneath you buckle like a trampoline. And the two of you bounce up, and then the steamer trunk opens, and both of you fall. Ah, dang. Oh, shit. JR and Constance. (laughs) Very quickly, everything around you starts to change. Into the trunk! All of the color starts to drain from this place, and everything starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Into the trunk, into the trunk, into the trunk. One of you give me a roll to act under pressure. I'll go ahead and act under pressure. That is a 14. Oh, damn. The two of you sprint forward as this theater without its anchor is utterly disintegrating around you. And the steam trunk opens and you leap in and just... For a moment, you look back into a utterly black void, and then it all disappears.